You're listening to the Functional Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Kiara Orbe, Functional Fertility Nutritionist. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing your fertility using real intentional nourishment through nutrition and lifestyle choices. Each week, you'll find practical steps through conversations with health experts in this space or solo episodes from me helping you get closer to creating your family. Everything shared on the podcast is rooted in love and science and is meant to help you cut through fertility myths so you can take control of your fertility journey while having fun doing so. And if anything resonates with you, please feel free to leave a five-star review and rating so that we can continue having incredible guests on the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Before we hop into today's episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk about one of my favorite products right now, and that is the Queen of Thrones Castor Oil Pack. If you guys aren't familiar with Queen of Thrones, you're about to find out. So Dr. Marisol is the creator of Queen of Thrones, and she is a beautiful, wonderful, phenomenal person. If you go to the Instagram account, you are just going to have a smile on your face, you're going to laugh because she is just awesome and hilarious. I've had several conversations with her via Zoom, and she's just an awesome person and I admire her presence. So if you choose to purchase Queen of Thrones, let know that you're supporting an incredible person who has a mission and yeah, we love her. So anywho, onto the castor oil itself, it's organic, which is really important. Um, so I, I trust that already. Like <laughs> organic, anything, um, and it's going onto your skin. Your skin is your largest organ. We absorb anything that comes onto our skin. So I think that's really important. Um, thing that the, the pack itself, the wool flannel that it comes with, you can wrap it around your waist, which is so convenient and allows you to even sleep with it. And trust me, it's not comfortable. You can do this once a week. You can do this twice a week. You can do this every night if you truly wanted to, although I don't recommend starting there, especially if you're new to castor oil pack, because there can be some gentle detox symptoms that you might experience. Um, so keep that in mind as you ease into the process. But I think these are a wonderful hormone balancing uh, tool that you can keep in your toolkit, largely beneficial. Um, and I think that if you're having digestive issues, which are usually combined with hormone imbalances, you're going to find this castor oil pack to be a lifesaver. I kid you not, I've literally had a beautiful bowel movement after a castor oil pack before, and it was just like amazing. And I wasn't even constipated that day. I was like, oh. Like, and not to mention they're really relaxing too. Like if you just um, are chilling out in your bed, you want to put some red light on, light a candle or uh, read a book, put some music on, like it is a vibe. Um, I've had a lot of clients fall asleep with them. So that's, I think that's really awesome that you can even sleep with this one because yeah, it's so convenient, it's messy like other castor oil packs are. So if you are interested in buying your castor oil pack today through Queen of Browns, you guys can download the uh, favorites for me in the description box below. Now to the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Functional Fertility Podcast. Today I'm here with my friend Nina Boyce. And I'm so excited to catch up with her because I feel like it's been a minute. I mean, last time I spoke with you, you were pregnant. Oh, yeah, which is crazy. And now I have a five and a half month old at home. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Time flies. How is that going? It's going really well. I had um, – I mean, the first few weeks were really hard, not going to lie for me personally. Um, it was a huge transition amongst a bunch of other like things, postpartum-y things. That's a whole other podcast story. But things are going really well. I mean, she's just the cutest, sweetest little thing. I'm, she is 100% a little Aries girl. Like she's fire energy to the max and she's going to keep us so busy. But yeah, I love her so much. She's the sweetest. Oh my God. I, I'm an Aries. Are so you? Yes. I, I I was born um, March 27th. She's April 7th. Yes, yes. I remember thinking like when she was born, I was like, oh my God, she's an Aries. I love it. it I love being an Aries. <laughs> I feel like I'm a Pisces. Um, I'm March yeah. 10th. And then I feel like Aries 
like I don't know what it is about her energy, but I'm obsessed with it. Like I'm going to love <laughs> Aries now. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I'm excited to see her like just grow up. You can yeah. tell she has her own for sure like little personality and that's awesome. She does. Honestly, everybody says that. They're like her personality has shown through so quickly. I was like it it really has. <laughs> You can feel it through social media. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> well, I'm glad everything's going well. Um, today, I really want to focus our conversation on fertility awareness because I, I I just did a reel about fertility awareness not too long ago, and it was just like it got so many hits. You're the real queen, by the way. I just started doing reels and I find them to be kind of challenging. And I'm like, you're the real queen. (laughs) Oh my God. No, I like, I really struggle with them. My assistant and I joke about like having like uh, being a fly on the wall, like just trying to like watch me like create these reels because I feel like that would be hilarious. That should be a reel in and of itself. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, it takes a lot of time and effort and it's just like, ah, but anyway, I, um, yeah, I created that reel and people were like going bonkers over it. And like, you know, it, it is a controversial top topic and yeah. it's for some people, it might not be for some people. So I really want this conversation to be for those who are interested in fertility awareness, um, for either conception or avoiding pregnancy, because it can serve as both. Um, and I want people to feel like safe coming out of this conversation and knowing that it can work for them and to not feel defeated Mm -hmm. by it at all. Because I think that's one of the reasons why many people stop or even hesitant to get into it in the first place. Um, so First and foremost, why do you think, kind of just taking a step further, like, uh, or a step back, why do you think women struggle with fertility in the first place? Mm. It's, there's so many layers to fertility. What's, I just got off a fertility coaching call, actually, like right before we hopped on this podcast. And we were talking about all of the different layers that can go along with it. Like, one of them can be simply, they're not timing up correctly because we've kind of learned that we can get pregnant anytime we want. And then when we finally do try to get pregnant, it's a lot more challenging than we think. And we have not learned about cervical mucus, which I'm sure we'll get into later. (laughs) You know, like we haven't learned about all of these things. And then we see certain apps out there or certain devices like natural fertility trackers, and they don't really give us the most helpful information either, you know? And so timing up is a big thing. And then of course, what you focus on is also like nutrition for fertility. So there can be a lot of nutrient deficiencies or we're just not optimizing with nutrition and mineral balance as best as we can. And that can really support our fertility. There's also like the male factors as that we don't always talk about either. So there's a lot of different ones. I mean, are you even ovulating? That can be a big one for some women too. So yeah, I mean, I think our lifestyle stress, there's a lot of different layers to why fertility can be challenging. Mm-hmm. So multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that we have access to so many tidbits of information online in the social media space and really compiling like all the tools that we can and knowing and getting started sooner rather than later if ever conceiving a child is a goal of ours but we also know that fertility is a a marker of health Mm. whether or not you want to have children right right so um what is fertility awareness and who is it for So fertility awareness, of course, you can use if you're trying to conceive. And it also is a form of natural birth control. So it's really for anybody that is looking to understand how their menstrual cycle and how their body functions. It gives you an insight into hormone levels if you're hitting optimal levels of hormones. And it's a great way to be able to also track your cycle as far as um, health. So, okay, our when we're tracking basal body temperatures, we can learn a ton about our health. When we're tracking our cervical mucus, we can learn a lot about our hormone levels. And so I feel like fertility awareness really is for anyone that's willing to take the time throughout the day to just become aware of their body and become aware of what I call your fertility biomarkers. Um, it seems like, you know, it can feel overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, there's so much to it. But really, it's just a teeny little habit change and being aware of what to look out for on the daily. How long did it take you to 
feel like a pro with fertility awareness? That's a good question. Well, I feel like I continually learn more. (laughs) So like after, you know, I started off on my own the way that I will often recommend other people do, like just kind of exploring it, reading the book, taking charge of your fertility, you know, starting that way. And then uh, implementing it. And you at least want to track your cycle for three months to get used to what's going on. But then it wasn't even until I got my certification infertility awareness specifically that I was like, holy moly, there's so much to this. <laughs> so it's like I feel like I'm continually learning. But I think after you track your cycle, maybe even – this might sound extensive, but like after like a good six months, you're like, oh, this makes sense. But unless you have a regular cycle, after three months, you might start seeing some pretty consistent patterns that you feel good about. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like I I know the basics of fertility awareness. And I know all the biomarkers and everything. I know how to track my cycle, but I feel like, I mean, if you can get a certification in this, I feel like there's just probably so much more to uncover that I haven't been through yet. (laughs) It's kind of just digging deeper and deeper. And still, there's even more I want to learn outside of my certification. Like I want to even learn more of the details on cervical mucus. It's like there's – you could keep going and keep going. But really for – you don't have to be certified in it to to learn how to use the method effectively. Mm -hmm. So I guess for someone who is just getting started, what are the things that they need to bring to the table? Like what do they need in order to start – practicing the fertility awareness method? The method that I teach is the symptothermal method. So I use basal body tracking and also, of course, cervical mucus. And then I add luteinizing hormone, so LH testing as well. Um, The main things you're going to need would be the willingness to learn about cervical mucus and to observe that every day. And then I would suggest a basal body temperature thermometer so that you're able to confirm ovulation afterwards and use some of those um, biomarkers to learn a little bit more about your health and also the phases of your cycle. And you can learn a lot about how many days the phases are when you're tracking with basal body temperature. Now, you said this is the method that you use, the symptothermal method. What other methods are there? There's one that's strictly cervical mucus. I think that's the Billings method that does that. There's some people that use um, like clear blue ovulation. Like they, they'll use that along with things. They'll just use no no basal body temperature at all. Um, there's just like different biomarkers people will either add in or take out. So I just add that I use the basal body temperature, which is the symptothermal. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, is there a particular thermometer that you'd recommend? If you're starting really basic, the femimeter is a really easy one. It's super cheap. It's like 10 bucks. There's also one I think that's like 40. It might have a couple different like additions to it, which you can get off of Amazon. And then I always recommend TempDrop because that one's a really great one, especially if you're not waking up at the same time every day or you have really inconsistent sleep schedule. Or, I mean, you just don't want to think about taking your temp in the morning. You know, throw temp drop on your arm and it'll take – it uses an algorithm to get your most accurate overnight uh, basal body temp. And would that still count even if you were to get up and use the restroom? Because that can can kind of skew temperatures, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does, but not when you're using TempDrop because it's okay. it's using its own algorithm and it's taking it's not the average. It's your it, they're getting your most accurate temp throughout the night. So if I mean, for example, I am postpartum and before I'm not using it anymore, but when I was waking up with Gia like all night long, I was using TempDrop because it was going to at least give me what the most accurate temp was as opposed to like getting totally skewed temps because I was up all night long. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that's really helpful. And I'm I'm assuming you use this method to conceive Gia. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, uh, if that doesn't give anyone help, like I don't know what it is. <laughs> um Okay, so we have thermometer, um, or femometer, mm-hmm. uh, temp drop, and then oh, you'll need an re- app. I forgot about that. You'll need some sort of charting resource. So whether you want to chart on paper or you want to chart through an app, you're going to need one of those two. Okay, um, I've been using the Read Your Body app. Yes, um, I like that one. Yep, it doesn't predict anything for you, right? Like 
periods coming or ovulation coming, which a lot of apps do. So why don't we rely on these? Even though we've entered in like all of our like past periods and like all the things. Well, our bodies are really sensitive and there, there are definitely women that to the day, you know, they get their period the same time every day or every month. But that isn't – we can't rely on that, even if you are one of those people that seem to get your period at the same time every month or whatever. Because who knows? Like one month you could be traveling. One month you could get sick. One month you could just be going through a really stressful time and it alters ovulation. That's the real thing, right? Like the main show is ovulation. So when we ovulate, it can be early. It can be late um, and because of all those factors we just talked about. And that's going to change when the period comes, when ovulation happened. So we don't want to use those apps because we're just never 100% sure. And then, you know, for other women that have uh, cycles that are varied, they're not always the same amount every month. That's one of the other reasons why we can't rely on something that's just going to guesstimate when your period's going to come or when mm-hmm. ovulation love- may or may not happen. Yeah. I love that you said that because I definitely did not know that ovulation was the main event. Yeah. Up until not too recently ago, to be quite honest, like I thought the period was just like the main event. That's what we're waiting for all month, right? Yeah. Um, but without healthy ovulation, who's to say we're even having like a true period? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So how do we confirm ovulation? Mm. So confirming, there's two ways. The first is if you're following your cervical mucus biomarkers. So when you're experiencing CM, you're in that fertile window. After ovulation, in most cases, CM dries up. And that's because progesterone is heat producing. And it produces what we call G mucus. And that is one that like blocks up our cervix. And so we don't see CM after ovulation. Now, some women will see a little bit of non-peak. And that's because estrogen levels are still are still there. They're just lower. And so sometimes you'll see non-peak kind of come in and out in the after, you know, post-ovulation phase. But that's not for everybody. So that's one way. You go back to some non-peak or you dry up. The second is that you're going to notice a high temperature. So it's called a biphasic pattern. Before ovulation, temps will be lower. After ovulation, temps will be higher. And if you're using this method for birth control, you're really going to want to wait until you see three high temps to confirm that ovulation has happened. Okay. So you just gave us like two scenarios. So is it what you're telling us that it could vary from woman to woman, like CM and what happens? Yeah, CM can vary. Temp, um, temp is pretty set. Like your temp, you should have three high temps, and temp should stay high after ovulation because of progesterone. So that's pretty, that's pretty set in stone. Although temps may fall back down depending on hormone levels, or they might be lower depending on hormone levels. But for the most part, you'll see that biphasic pattern and you'll see high temps post-ovulation. Okay. How do you feel about those prove test strips, like to confirm successful ovulation? I'm curious about your I actually really like them. I have one in my drawer right now. I will use them with clients. I think that they are great. They're like another biomarker. So I I more use them for women trying to conceive because it lets me know like, are we at least reaching peak progesterone levels um, at that seven to 10 days after? So that's when I use it. But of course, like you can confirm and use it if you're not trying to get pregnant too. Um, but also having three high temps is kind of sufficient for those purposes, I think. Okay. So prove is just there just to kind of like as an extra resource, yeah. not 100% necessary. Not 100% necessary. It, if you are curious, if you're producing enough progesterone, it can be a great like uh, inexpensive option for testing that at home. And also if you're trying to conceive. So what's the difference between these test strips and the luteinizing hormone test strips that you use in practice? So luteinizing hormone is the trigger for ovulation. And so when you have your LH surge, it's when estrogen reaches its peak. That's going to send a signal to your brain to release LH. And ovulation is going to happen 24 to 36 hours after that, most likely. Um, 
so that's that's po- that's pre-ovulation. And then post-ovulation is when you'd be testing progesterone. And that's, again, just to confirm like those levels. Okay. Um, let's back it up a bit and talk a little bit about cervical mucus. Like you said, like maybe we didn't talk so much about this like growing up. I know I didn't. I was embarrassed about it. I think I remember telling you that on our last conversation. Um, I thought I was the only one like <laughs> producing cervical mucus. I was like, what is this? And was too embarrassed to talk about it. And I think a lot of women who maybe in their younger years, like with the same feeling and I I just want to like normalize it for them. So can we do that? (laughs) It is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. You're supposed to produce cervical mucus. I was the same way when I was younger. I was like, what is this? I was like so embarrassed about like even my mom like washing my underwear. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Yes. Like, but no, it's absolutely normal. And in fact, it's a healthy sign that your body is functioning because You know, estrogen is what stimulates the cervix to produce CM. And so if you're not producing enough, then there might be something going on with sufficient estrogen levels. So it's a really wonderful sign when you see it. And especially like when you have abundant amounts of it, it's a great sign. So what happens when we don't see it? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, sometimes it could be an observation issue too because I know a lot of women will think, oh, I'm just supposed to check my underwear, you know, like what do I see in my underwear? And that's actually like the least helpful observation. You really want to check, you know, for walking sensation and what it feels like when you're wiping, um, what it looks like on your toilet paper. So just make sure that you're actually observing correctly and you're not missing it. Um, But if you're really not seeing enough, there can be various different factors. Um, One could be estrogen levels. One could be, you know, you're not drinking enough water. It could be nutrient deficiencies. Like there's many different reasons why you might not be producing enough hormone to to make CM. Okay. But that doesn't technically mean like someone's infertile. Right. Yeah. Okay. There are a couple of like checklist items, I guess, you want to make sure before actually naming that. Um, okay. And I've heard too, I interviewed someone on my podcast, um, Dr. Cleopatra. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's she's pretty great. But she said the percentage of women that are truly, truly infertile is very, is very slim. I mean, fertility struggles are huge. I mean, it's out there. There's no, there's no denying that. And I'm so grateful for medical interventions. But the there are many different ways that we can dig into what's going on too. Like truly infertile is like can't have children at all, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I, I I remember when I ran my Dutch test with my a functional medicine practitioner, and you know we looked at my progesterone levels on there, and really like progesterone metabolites and. Uh, testosterone and all relation to estrogen. Um, and she just put, I, I wish she had kind of phrased it differently, but she was like, I don't think you could carry a baby to term, like even yeah. if you wanted to. And it was really like crushing to my soul. Yeah. That is, oh. yeah. I didn't know anything then because I, I knew that like I wanted to be a mom one day. Um, but at that moment I was like, dang, like that really sucks. Um, I wasn't getting like an infertile diagnosis or anything like that, but she was just like, you know, we need to fix this. There's like an energetic component to conceiving as well, I think. And if we, if we have this viewpoint of our body being broken or, I mean, that's pretty harsh way of saying, I don't think you can carry a baby to term. Like that's, that's a harsh way of saying things. And so we take that on and we make it mean yeah. something about ourselves. Um, exactly. Not to say that there aren't things that, you know, I'm sure that you worked on and you were able to boost and maybe it was progest- you know, progesterone levels and all of that. But I think we yes. have to be careful of the way we speak towards our body and our womb space. Yes, I 100% agree. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you, that you said that. It's so impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, our thoughts and what we're thinking about ourselves, even if it's like, healing other symptoms. Like if you constantly saying to yourself, like I am broken, I am broken, I'm broken, or like I need fixing. Um, I I truly believe like that is exactly what will manifest for you and you're going to feel stuck. You're going to feel in a rut and it's going to be hard to come out of that. Um, but if you, on the other hand, like rephrase that 
and just said, like, my body needs support right now. It needs some more like TLC, then I'm going to give it that and I'm going to nourish it. And then slowly but surely, I feel like you're only going to see gradual changes, improvements with your health. Um, so same thing goes for fertility. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I was just in a very, very like low place at that point in my life. And then, you know, started going to school for these things and really understood that a lot of these conditions could be reversed. And I think that's what you and I as practitioners want to give women, like the hope that there is a way to kind of, um, optimize their fertility and their health. Um, so, but it just takes like knowing these things and having the right nutrition in place and the right lifestyle in place yeah. and having the knowledge of like fertility awareness. Um, so I'm glad we, we touched on that, but, um, let's break down like the different types of cervical mucus that you'll see throughout your cycle. Um, because like you said, it, it does vary from woman to woman and then throughout your point, of, uh, throughout each point of your cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I break it down into two easy ones, non-peak and peak. And really like when it comes to those two, you are looking for consistency is one thing. So for non-peak, that's what you're going to notice when estrogen levels are starting to rise. They're medium level estrogen. You're at medium level estrogen. And that's going to look typical of what most people say is like hand lotion. It's a little cloudier. It it's kind of creamy. It's clumpier. It can even be kind of tacky and sticky, um, but it will stretch a little bit. You know, that's kind of one thing. If you put it between your fingers, it will stretch like an inch or half an inch or so before breaking. But there is moisture to it. So with non-peak, you're always going to have like some sort of moisture. I think sometimes people can confuse. They'll see dry, which we talked about a little bit earlier, like post-ovulation. You Progesterone produces its G mucus and it's dry. It blocks up your cervix. Well, after you get that period, sometimes when your cervix is cleansing and it's breaking down, you'll notice that dry infertile mucus and that's just more scant. It's more crumbly. It might be that streak you see in your underwear. And that's a a sign that like maybe you're heading into your fertile window, but you're not there yet. Um, Peak CM on the other hand is extremely lubricative, very slippery, very stretchy, very clear. And it's going to stretch like an inch and a half before breaking if you pick it up and stretch it between your fingers. Uh, you also, people will say it looks like egg white is one of the things um, or it just looks like clear and slippery. So okay. there's those three. If you, we put them in order, it's like G, dry, then non-peak, then peak. Or technically G happens after ovulation and kind of can cycle through the beginning of your yeah. cycle. Got it. Um, I have a question yeah. about great grapefruit juice. Yeah. Does, is that the whole thing true? Like increasing cervical mucus production or quality? That's so funny that you said that because I was just talking to the client I had before this call because I wrote down in my presentation I was going over with her. It was like grapefruit juice and pineapple juice question mark. And she was like, why is there a question mark? I was like, I, th- I don't think there's a lot of good scientific research to say. What I think it is, is the vitamin C. So you get whole food vitamin C, right? And that's going to be very supportive. So like vitamin A and vitamin C is whole food vitamin C is very supportive for cervical mucus. And I think that you find that in citrus fruits. Um, Also like the antioxidants. So I feel like there's like some vitamin truth to it. (laughs) I love that. I I love grapefruit juice, honestly. I know a lot of people that don't like it, but like pineapple juice, like you just said, it sounds super yummy like an at home like mocktail pina colada sounds really good yeah Coconut. oh my gosh um yeah I think it comes back down to like real hydration too and like I agree like you said it's mostly server I mean a cervical mucus is mostly water right yeah 96 percent water 96 or 98 percent what else is it made of like amino acids oh, that's a like- good question um, I don't know. <laughs> I know that it's like 96% water. I want to say like it also has to be like some cervical um, like cervical cells and things like that. But that's a really great question. I don't know what the other like four, two to 4% is. I just know like sperm is like amino acids, um, like protein. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, 
even though <laughs> I mean that's a whole other topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot that goes into those um, lubricants. So that's interesting. We'll have to research that. Yeah, no, I mean, there it definitely has like a specific pH to it as well. So I'm not quite sure like what makes up that pH level within cervical mucus. But now that you mention it, I'm I definitely want to look more into that. That's a really fascinating question. Yeah. So grapefruit juice is an option, pineapple juice, the adrenal cocktail. Mm -hmm. Big fan. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Ever since I found out about the adrenal cocktail, like I swear, I've probably had it every single day. Mm. It's really, really good and enjoyable. Um, Easier to down than than liver, which is rich in vitamin A. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah, the adrenal cocktail is so easy too. I think I have it. I try to have it every day, but I usually get it in like three days a week. And I am more towards like the beef liver capsule girl. Like that's me. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's totally okay. I've um, I was into like the whole raw beef liver. Like, Good for you. But then I was like, I don't know. This feels like a hassle. I just hated like cutting up the liver and like freezing it. Yeah. And, like, I, some people are still so into it, and that's awesome. But I've actually transitioned more towards like the ancestral beef blends, which contain like oh. organ meats in there. Yeah. Um, and I like love them like surprisingly i'm actually making liver tonight nice um, so getting that vitamin a in it's so important like i man (laughs) i've been through the root cause protocol and i just i can't express enough like how important vitamin a is for just everything everything especially as a woman like and we probably like altogether have not eaten enough vitamin a and not just beta carotene but like preformed like retinol yeah. um, in our lives. So I think it's something that we should all be working towards. I agree. And I didn't – I haven't gone through the root cause protocol, but I work very closely with somebody that has and I use their protocols a lot with my clients. And so like the more I learned even about vitamin A, I was like, holy cow, like why haven't we learned this information beforehand? <laughs> like why don't we all know this? Oh, I know. And it, it like I've, I've – I've learned from the Weston A. Price Foundation, and they also are big on liver and mm-hmm. like raw milk and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but I don't feel like I understood like how important vitamin A was yeah. yet. Um, and so now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the key. This mm-hmm. is like the key to <laughs> um, So yeah. Okay, going back to peak cervical mucus. Um, I saw a post on your feed saying that peak cervical mucus does not mean that we ovulated. Could you delve into that a little bit more? Yeah. I, I, a lot of times when I'm working with somebody, they'll say, I saw peak cervical mucus. So I, I didn't, I know that I ovulated and peak cervical mucus can lead up to ovulation. And so it's not always the day that you ovulated, or it doesn't necessarily mean that you ovulated. So I just want to make sure that women know like they can see that and that's a great sign. And it also is an insane clue that ovulation is right around the corner, but we can't really confirm ovulation has happened until either that CM dries up afterwards for three days or you have that three temp spike, three high temps. Yeah, I, I get the same from clients. Like, I'm not tracking my temperatures, but I saw the cervical mucus. Right. And I'm like, we gotta start tracking temperatures. Yeah. It's so important. I know it feels like just this extra thing. And like, sometimes we forget. So that's when temp drop would be helpful. Right, for sure. So how do you get your clients to like, and I guess not get them, but like in, encourage them to start tracking temperatures? Like, obviously you're attracting clients who want to do these things too, but so am I. And um, sometimes it's just like, it feels like too much. Yeah. That, I mean, honestly, that is where temp drop can be helpful because you just put it on overnight. I, I mean, when we think about it, it's all information about our body. So if you are, if you're looking to use the method for natural birth control, it's going to give you a really, really cozy feeling when you can confirm you've ovulated because you've seen those three high temps, you know? And so that Mm -hmm. can be a very, very nice addition to like using the method. And so if that's something that you're 
really proactive about not wanting to get pregnant, then I think it gives you that incentive to do that. Um, You don't have to by any means, but it's like a huge incentive, I think. And then also if you're trying to discover more about your health, it's nice to like have that extra data about what your temps look like. So I just kind of phrase it that way. And then also we have options. So, I mean, if you if it's not working for you and temp drop isn't working or femimeter isn't working, maybe you only track your temperature when you head into your fertile window and after you got your three high temps and then you stop, you know? So like you can kind of play around with it and make it work for you. Okay. That's good to know. So what is the general pattern that we should be seeing on our charts? You should be seeing the biphasic pattern. So follicular phase, pre-ovulatory phases are going to be lower. And then after ovulation, they're going to be higher. I mean, I think – I don't know what numbers you might give. I typically say like I love to see temps around Um, 97.4 in the follicular phase, like around that. I mean 97.2, anything below that is getting really low. Um, And then 98, I love to see temps post-98 for the luteal phase. I know if you're tracking for health, the numbers can be maybe more specific, but that's, that's what I often say to clients. Yeah, same here. Um, and then as we go towards the end of the luteal phase, like circling back Mm. around to our periods, should we start seeing temperatures kind of like taper back off? Yes. Or totally. And that's because, you know, like I mentioned before, progesterone is heat producing, right? So that's what's going to cause the increase after ovulation happens. Then progesterone and estrogen both drop before you get your period and that causes the temp to drop. So some people will see like a drastic drop down. Other people will see a sliding drop down. Mm, Okay. Um, what happens when we start to see, or maybe this is like more so at the beginning, but I've, I've looked at charts with clients and sometimes their temps are like, just like all over the place. Like there's no general pattern. What could that, um, mean? If my first question would be like, are they ovulating regularly? So if they're ovulating, if you can confirm ovulation is happening through like cervical mucus peak day, dry days. Uh, LH surge, all of that kind of stuff, it might be that their body is extremely sensitive to any sort of like fluctuations. Like did they drink that night? Did they not get enough sleep? Are they stressed? Are they sick? Like their body could have – or it could be a wonky thermometer. I've also seen that. But it could be that they're just very sensitive. The thermometer oral one isn't working. Maybe try temp drop. Um, But Often, like times, it could be that they're not ovulating, so or that hormone levels aren't sufficient. That could be another one too. Like estrogen, progesterone levels aren't hitting optimal levels, and that's creating temps that are a little wonky. Have you ever seen a client who's maybe eaten something they were sensitive to, and then yeah. wake up the next morning with like extremely high temperatures when they're supposed to be like seeing like lower temperatures? Yep. Yeah, but it's usually a day. I've I've seen it like it, it's been an outlier. Like they'll have one day where it's super super high or or low. It really depends on how their body reacts to it. That's true. Yep, I've uh, I've seen both cases, and I was like, oh wow, like <laughs> that's interesting. And so then we do an audit of like their food log, and turns out like they had some sort of gluten that maybe wasn't working out for them, yeah. and they haven't tried that in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And- that's the only thing that really changed in their environment. It's so interesting, I, like the stress response on our body and how our temperature correlates with that. Yeah, it's interesting. I I love how you phrase it. Like, really, just charting is just more information yeah. and really getting to know your body because it's not a period app where you're going to just get like general feedback and general information. This is just like what's happening with you and your body, which is amazing. Um. Okay. So what else can the fertility awareness method tell us about our health? Like besides like ovulation, like if we're ovulating or not, like can it tell us anything else? It can tell you a lot about estrogen and progesterone levels without getting tested. Because again, like if you're not – and I know there is some um, debate about like can we really have low estrogen, you know, that kind of thing. But if you're not producing enough cervical mucus, there's something going on with estrogen levels, you know. So it's – we can look into that. And then, of course, if your temps are low in – like, say – 
we haven't really talked about a cover line, but if you if you're charting and you're aware of this term, if your temps are close to the cover line post ovulation, that might be a sign that progesterone levels aren't quite as high as that we would like them to be. Um, you also might not have a long enough luteal phase. And that could be something that we need to look into as well. So it can tell you a lot about hormones. And then of course, like how your function is, how your body is functioning on like a metabolic level as far as temps go. It tells us a lot about like how is how's our body functioning in general? Are we super stressed? Like what's going on there? So it can tell us so much about our health. You mentioned cover line. Mm-hmm. What is that? The cover line is something that you draw to help you see the difference between your follicular and your luteal phase temps. So it really creates like a visual for your for that biphasic pattern. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. And is that is there an app that draws that line for you too? Or is it just when you're charting like hand to paper? Read your body. You will draw it for you, but you have to say where to put it. So um just quickly, you take the six temps before your rise, and then the highest of those six, you draw the line one degree, point one degree above that, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. I'm going to put a post on that actually on Instagram soon. I have it, I have it queued up for this week. <laughs> Woo! Well, I will, Maybe tonight um, actually. There you go. <laughs> well, that would be awesome because we can link it. I'll, I'll like link your Instagram and like – I don't know. Just right, right. What is the post you need to look at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what Nina's talking about. Um, okay, awesome. So, as far as like birth control purposes, um, some of the comments and feedback that I got for the fertility awareness, awareness method is like, no, like you can't trust this, like, especially if you're trying to prevent pregnancy. Yada, yada, yada. So let's talk about some of the fears that people have um, if they're trying to avoid pregnancy and thinking about using the fertility awareness method. Well, it's scary because we really are programmed to think we can get pregnant so, so easily. And when it comes down to it, sperm can only live inside of a fertile environment for five days. So when you're experiencing CM, it's obviously the perfect pH level. It is the most nourishing to sperm. And if you have sex during that window, yeah, the sperm can live inside the cervix in these little cervical crypts for up to five days. And then ovulation day, of course. Um, so yeah, but that's that's a window of like five days of, of true fertility. But then you also want to extend that just to make sure. Because again, we can't – because we can't predict ovulation, that's why we have to be extra careful. Well, the cool thing is – we have the tools to be able to be extra careful. So you start protecting or using a barrier method or whatever you choose to do um, the day that you see your first fertile CM, so non-peak. And then you wait until after you've had those three high temps or, you know, you've notified your peak day plus three dry days afterwards to round out and confirm that ovulation has happened. After that, there is no possible physical way you can get pregnant. You know, there's no egg anymore. You're not going to ovulate again. So once you really understand how your cycle works, you start to get really cozy with your fertile window. I mean, and this is why, and I'm not just saying this, but I think it can be helpful for for birth control to work with an instructor because it just helps affirm like what, what you're seeing and helps you get really cozy with it. But once you learn how the body works, I think it makes you feel so much more grounded and you – yeah, there are options, right? You can use barrier methods during your fertile window. I mean, there you don't have to use anything after ovulation. So I don't know if that answered the question, but I think once you learn about fertility awareness method, you get really cozy with it. Yeah. And I think the women who are curious about the fertility awareness method are really aware of the potential side effects of birth control may have brought them already. Yeah. So that's where they're looking for an alternative yeah. and are, um, they, I, like I've, I've spoken to so many women and like just the comments and the DMs, like, I really want to do this, but I'm just terrified of like getting pregnant. Like I do not want to get pregnant anytime soon. And I just don't see how that can happen. Like without birth control. Um, yeah. but I love that, like someone like holding space for you and basically just affirming the information that you have can be, I don't know. It's just like, it's not like approval, but it's just like, I, I get the go ahead and like, yeah. she's just helping me alongside my journey and helping me understand my body. Um, so that could be like the next step that someone takes too, is just like working with a practitioner like you, um, 
to help them confirm those biomarkers. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it really is about empowering yourself with knowledge because when you understand what's going on, then you don't question so much. There's not that underlying fear of I can get pregnant anytime. Now, I just want to add, if you are somebody that is in um, a long-term partnership, like you you have those conversations with your partner and you're able to say like, okay, like this is what we're planning on. This is what to expect. If you're somebody that's not, then you just have to be aware of when you're in your fertile window and like is that a quick conversation you need to have with with somebody if you're, you know out for the night and like, you know, you're in that situation. So you just have to be prepared also with the conversation that you need to have with your partner, a significant other, whatever. That's so true. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I've also uh, spoken to a lot of women whose husbands and long-term partners have tracked their mm-hmm. sex before them. That's pretty awesome. And I just, <laughs> isn't that amazing? Yeah. I was like, I wish, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I mean, it doesn't have to be a thing, but I just think it's so extra sweet yeah. for them to be like so involved and integrated with the whole process of it. It's like, it's not easy at first, but I just love how they take that challenge on and know that they're in this together, mm-hmm. uh, especially if someone's on a preconception journey, because I, I know so much of the burden is placed on the woman because she is, um, she's the one who's carrying the baby. Right. Um, so we all think it, it comes down to her, but as we know, like you and I know, like preconception health is, you know, it takes two to tango. Yeah. Um, and I think just taking that extra step and having your partner involved in the whole like tracking process of things and understanding like your fertile window and when it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is. It, it definitely creates a bond. Like when I was trying to conceive Gia, Cody obviously like knew when it was go time. But even after, like now that I'm postpartum and I've got my period back and everything, um, nice. it, it he'll be like, oh, are you in your fertile window again? Like <laughs> he kind of like knows. He'll be like, but wait, like didn't you just get your period? Like I was like, yeah, that was two weeks ago. You know, like he kind of knows when when I'm in my phases. He doesn't track for me by any means, but he does – he's aware. He's aware of the words. And he's like, oh, she's talking about cervical mucus again. Like he knows what's going on now. Oh my god, I love that so much. I mean, that alone, I feel like is huge. Yeah, I feel like a lot of men might even be afraid to like talk about cervical mucus, like mucus in itself. Like that's the first a, word, a sexy word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it is cool, and it, it does bring a closeness to you guys to to have that extra like bond. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Um, do you feel like there's anything else that we need to know about fertility awareness method? Like as someone is maybe like preparing to get off birth control, um, Mm. or just like now taking that first step into fertility awareness? Yeah. If you're just getting off of birth control, know that it might take time for your body to regulate. And you do, there is, um, like a learning period. So if you're using this method for birth control and you're just getting off of actual hormonal birth control, you are going to have to be careful while your body is regulating and that's okay. Um, And the main thing you're going to be looking out for is your first signs of cervical mucus. And that's when once you start to see that, you're able to to practically apply what we're talking about to your own body and learn what's going on because the best thing is practicing it on yourself. Like listening to us talk about it can be kind of confusing until you see what your own body produces and what it looks like and what your own patterns are. So I would just say be patient with yourself, especially if you're just getting off of birth control. And then you might need to work on nutrient balance a little bit or hormone levels or mineral balance and things to make sure that you are going to be producing optimal amounts of optimal amounts of cervical mucus and things like that. So be patient with yourself. And if you're using it for birth control, give yourself at least three full months of charting before you rely on it um, for strict birth, birth control. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any books that you would write? You know, you mentioned the um, taking charge of your fertility. Was there another version that she put out? Like there's like a 2.0, I right? think there is. And I, I think I just saw it on Amazon actually. Um but yeah, so that's a really good one. And then The Fifth Vital Sign is a good one too. The language in any book on fertility awareness may be a little bit different, you know, even per instructor. So kind of pick a method that you – or a book that you resonate with and focus on that and go with that. Okay, perfect. Um, 
I think that's pretty much like all I have today. Yeah. Unless there's anything else that you think is pertinent. No, I feel like we hit it all. I feel like that was good. And hopefully we gave people a little bit of ease if they're thinking about using the method or maybe they're looking to conceive and they're getting excited about using the method to zone in on ovulation and make that happen too. Yeah, great. I actually do have one more question. Is this something that you feel like you're you're going to continue through like all the way through menopause or like to menopause? Right now, um, I just focus on natural birth control and conception and I don't I don't really focus on the perimenopause or menopause stage but who knows I feel like my journey evolves as my own cycle evolves so maybe when I hit that stage I'll I'll use it but it's great knowing about my body will prepare me for perimenopause when it happens and using fertility awareness method is going to be huge for that so yeah I think it probably will evolve as my cycle evolves Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Nina. Yeah, it was super helpful and knowledge um, packed. So I hope everyone got the information that they needed. Um, Where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. I'm there at Nourished with Nina. I also have a podcast called Healing Hormones. So I talk a lot about this kind of stuff on there. And then my website, which is nourishedwithnina.com. Okay. Awesome. I will link those all below and hopefully you guys enjoyed until next time. Bye. Before you go, I want to make sure that everyone is well aware that I am not seeing any VIP clients past the end of this year, any new VIP clients for the foreseeable future, because we are actually launching a live group program next year and I'm so excited, but um, I really need to focus my energy towards enhancing that group program and one-on-one work is so special and sacred to me. I want to make sure that I'm uh, giving forth the energy that my one-on-one clients need and deserve. So this is the last time I'll be running my VIP program, at least for now. So if you have been wanting to work with me and looking to healing journey and wanting someone on your side to kind of co-nourish with. I always like to see my clients up here in the driver's seat of their healing journey. I'm just like riding shoddy alongside of you and just really handing you like all the tools, all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom that I know. And then we baby step it. Um, I know a lot of this in this space is going to feel very overwhelming, especially if it's all new to you or if you've kind of been in a state of chaos for quite some time. I think one-on-one support is is very special and worth it. Um, I personally love one-on-one calls with my clients and have built such beautiful relationships with them and even friendships. So I would love to support you if you were looking to deepen that healing journey of yours. Um, You guys can click the link in the description box to apply and then we'll hop on a discovery call to see if it's a good fit. But until next time, guys, bye.